Welcome to the Kingdom Roots podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. My name is Laura Taro, and today on the podcast, we have Melissa Pillman as our guest. Melissa is a pastor with Missio Dei Church in Chicago at the Wrigleyville Congregation. She is also a soon-to-be graduate of Northern Seminary. So welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. And Melissa's in a historic church building. Oh, yeah. Right there, right there down by Wrigley Field. It's so cool to be there with the balcony. And oh, I it's really a lot like of fun. Too. We consider ourselves very lucky. There have been people worshiping the Lord there for over a hundred years. And it's funny because people will walk in. We're right on Addison, just a couple blocks down from Wrigley. And people will walk in and say, I had no idea this space could have been in this building because they just walk by the mm. front of the building and it's just kind of a big brick building. Um, but it's yeah. a lot of fun with some crazy nooks and crannies. So it's oh, a fun I building. Can imagine. Uh-huh. <laughs> How old is that building? Over a hundred years? Uh, it's over a hundred years old. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I can imagine some, I mean, even going down the stairs, I think what's going on. What's going to come around in this corner here? I know. And well, our offices are all is, uh, funky shaped. It's funny. Yeah, that's right. I've been in your office. Um, this is a difficult time for pastors. Look, everywhere I go, I talk to pastors, and they talk about how difficult these times have been. I mean, we, we've got enough problems with with Internet and social media and instant communication, and you're never really home because people can contact you at all times. And so I think that there's a a unique experience here for many pastors, Mm -hmm. but also because of COVID. So I just want to, I just want to ask you, um, what are the, what, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges you've faced? Now, of course, you're a fairly new pastor. And, uh, so, there's just that challenge uh, to begin with. But uh, what are the biggest challenges you think you've faced in the last, let's say, three years? Yeah, um, I am. I'm a fairly new pastor, um, but I've been a part of this same congregation for uh, 20 years now. Um and so we've been through a lot of different seasons. And one of the things that we already knew before I had officially taken on this specific role in the community was that um, th- the city is a place of transition for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's a place where people go and um, it's a trans- transition from college into a career. They come here and, and enjoy Chicago, such a friendly city in a lot of ways then they get disenchanted because there's also, you guys know the story. I mean, there's so many systemic problems in the city as well. Um, A lot of people have the panic of getting to a yard when they have baby number one or baby number two and, oh, quick, I need to get back near family. And I understand all that, but we've definitely lived a lot of years in a setting that already kind of is, is prone to that. Um, add to that that bef- right before the pandemic start started for us specifically at M- Monsieur de Wrigleyville, our congregation of the Monsieur de churches, 
we we went through some very uh, sudden and sort of large leadership changes just in the world of transition and life happening. So that was already happening right before the pandemic hit. And so we mm-hmm. kind of were balancing the navigation of how to do leadership transition well um, with this news of what was going on in the pandemic. And uh, so it we kind of had a, a double a double situation going on. Um, and, and so I think that, um, a lot of the things that I saw, I, I can't, because that was sort of my lived experience, I can't disassociate the two that, that were happening together. They came as sort of one package, um, and add to that, that in the city, sort of the way that we found ourselves engaging with and experiencing all of the, the horrifying racial injustice of summer 2020, Mm. um, not only were we living that with with um, with our our friends who were finding voice to articulate their embodied experience as people of color um, in sort of uh, just living that out. But I mean, I remember one night uh, I was sitting here in my sun porch uh, in class on Zoom and Northern Seminary, and I was hearing the sirens and helicopters of the riot happening just a couple blocks east of me. And so it just, everything Mm. just sort of felt, um, intensified for a while. So, um, just, that's a little bit of the setting, I guess. But, um, two of the things that I noticed that felt, um, exacerbated during that whole last three years were people were experiencing a really profound lack of closure because of the Mm. physical distance forced upon us by the pandemic. Um, and then time and time again, I was hearing stories of unresolved conflict, conflict among family members, conflict, um, in, in workplaces, et cetera, that just were not going to resolve. And that of course got even worsened by the Christian nationalism we saw with the Jesus flags on the Capitol. And so all of these things sort of out there, um, I feel like those were some of the most damaging effects in the aftermath. People were saying, I I can't do city life anymore. um, And now we can work remotely. And so they'd leave and people didn't even know they were gone. And so the lack of closure in those relationships being asked six months later, have you seen so-and-so? And I would say, oh, they've moved to wherever. And just this this look of lack of closure on the ones, you know, left behind all rapture jokes aside. Um, and then just the unresolved conflict that was just Hmm. something that, um, just helped me to realize that like the biblical living witness of the church to do the hard work of conflict resolution, when that is stolen from you, there's a, there's a toll on, on your, Hmm. on your heart and your soul. And so that that was a lot of what the pastoring was, was not being able to fix any of that, but to try to just sit in it, navigate it, uh, figure out compassion, but Mm. also like free up the anger and lament. So I would say that those are some of the big things that, that we experienced and trying to figure out how to do that in ways that people felt comfortable connecting, um, was the technology overload for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, hmm. 
Positives. Oh, positives. What, what about just uh, here's something that's interesting to me is there's some things that have happened because of COVID that are actually good. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want COVID so that we could have these goods. But, you know, um, I communicate like this over Zoom now in ways that I would never have done. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just wondering what, um, when you look at the last few years and all the challenges that you faced uh, with the transition in your church, um, with COVID, with the, you didn't mention this, but I, I will, and may, maybe you'll tell me I shouldn't have mentioned this, is uh, is the accepting of a, of a woman pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and the disappearance of people, mm-hmm. you know, the, and yet are they still there? I mean, I, I've asked our pastors in the last couple of years, are so-and-so still with us? And they, I've had a couple of things that we don't know. Yeah. Mm. Because you can't really, I, I don't think you can see on your streaming who is actually there unless they say something. Is that right? No, that's mm-hmm. right. You don't know who's there. And so yeah. um, that involves a lot of work. You know, people would say, Oh, it must be nice. You only, because being at the, during COVID, we were four congregations. We're now five. So we all did rotations. We did the streaming Sunday morning. So I was only preaching once every fourth week. And so it was kind of like, wow, Melissa must be nice. But there's a lot that's not being seen behind the scene that all of us were doing. And so much of that work was just checking in. You know, that Mm -hmm. person who's a shut in. You know, here in the city, we have a lot of people who rent apartments alone, some with no balcony space. Um, I, I know a family of five who live in an elevator building and were fearful of even going in that common space. They, they had little kids and wouldn't go outdoors for days. Um, wow. And so like anyway, just, you know, there's shut-ins out there. And so there was just this constant attempts at communication to know who was there, but you don't really know because you don't know mm-hmm. who's actually you know, spiritually willing to have like the deeper conversations of how they are and which ones are lighter. But I want to get back to what you did ask, which was the positives. And I would say that I see in the group that's gathered as the church now, um, number one, I know we have people who are not physically there, but are incredibly committed. They still will check in and reach out and just, you know, say how excited they are. And this was answered prayer. They'll ask for prayer. And I haven't seen their face in, in months. Um, so I know that there's an ability to reach people who, who just aren't ready to be in the physical space. And we didn't do any live streaming. I mean, we had, we had a recorded podcast on our website that, you know, in case you missed a sermon, but, um, now it's all together different and people are messaging during the service and, um, so that there is something that's fascinating there. I am not very technologically savvy. And so I'm quite sure there are other uh, pastors who are better at figuring out what to do with that. I can't quite wrap my brain around it, but um, I, but I want to. There, there's something there that we need to, as pastors, be ready to adjust to. Um, mm-hmm. But the second thing I would say is like the people who are back, they are ready to be real and gritty mm-hmm. And they're just hungry to be together. And so we've created this time 
after our service, which we still consider to be part of our worship time together, that's just hanging out outside together. And just we bring out the iced tea and the bubble wands for the kids. And we sit, you know, we're in the city. Our our yard is a side alley on our building. And we <laughs> hang out there for so long after church. People want the the faces, the the touches for those who are ready, just the hugs. Um, they're ready to share a messy meal. Like like the people who are who are coming back, especially if they can be outdoors. Um, there's a hunger for true community, and they're ready to be very real very mm. quickly. People mm. aren't just giving the "I'm good" and putting on their Sunday best. They're coming in, mm. and they're like, "Hey, yeah, I cried all day yesterday. How are you?" And we just, you know, here it is, and and we're ready for that. And I think there's something really beautiful in the authenticity of getting back to a community that's ready to be gritty and real and messy together um, takes away a lot of pretense because everybody's ready to acknowledge that wasn't good. And, yeah. you know, I want to back up to something you said. This is, this is an interesting question to me because I've asked a few pastors this. Okay. On a given, let's say before COVID and let's just say you had a flourishing church um, and you know, you got, let's just say you got 150 people in your, in your building for a Sunday morning service and you can see everybody and you can say hi to everybody. Um, and then COVID hits. Um, did it happen that you, because you didn't see those people every week, that you made more phone calls or zoom calls just to check in with people to see how they're doing. And I'm even willing to ask the question, how, what percentage of people in your congregation, let's say over three months, do you think you were able to make contact with or that somebody in leadership made contact with? Yeah. Um, so we did find a lot of people were Zoom fatigued from their work life. And so I was surprised how few people wanted to jump on a, on a Zoom or a Facebook. However. Uh, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, direct messaging, which by the way, those socials are not my forte. I'm so thankful for a volunteer who does that for us. I go days. I just, I'm not good at it, but we, you know, you had to be. And so, uh, you know, checking in and seeing something um, on those routes, uh, texting and just absolutely tons of emails and always mm -hmm. being willing uh, and uh, front yard visits. So that was something else we did that was kind of neat. A couple, it, we couldn't do it all the time, but a couple times a year, we would um, just put together a little gift. We're thinking of you, like a little Advent kit for oh, families nice, or something. Nice. And we would do our best to actually connect with them. But sometimes it ended up just being um, standing in a front yard, uh, six feet apart still, and and talking while we sat in the grass and just actually saw a face. Um, so doing that as, as much as people were willing to, um, I'd go on walks with people, sometimes the walking shoulder to shoulder. So you weren't breathing each mm -hmm. other's air felt better. So there was a lot of gauging the other person's comfort and just seeing, you know, whatever, whatever it is that, that we could do to check in. But you now one of the things that is good about being a smaller sized church, like we are, is that, um, you can sit there 
when the shelter in place news comes down and frantically start writing a piece of pa- on a piece of paper the names and you know go through all of the people that you remember how do i see them where do they sit and so literally just putting down all that i could and hmm. just just doing all i could to to check in to cycle through to see how they were to to note we tried to set up things that some people would reach out very generously and say, we have no idea who has needs, but will you tell me? I'll get grocery cards. I'll provide. I just don't know the need. So we tried mm-hmm. to set up sec- a technology way to say, like, if you have a need or if you have resources, we can be the avenue to connect you, um, learning how to do that. Um, so anyway, it, w- it was a lot of sort of trying to get creative and how to stay connected and just let people know that they're loved individually, still known and seen and that their, their physical absence in a space is, is noted and, and it matters. Mm. Melissa, that's so good. I love um, the creativity and the innovation that we discovered uh, the capacity for during that period. Not something we would have wished for, but we learned a lot. Um, I wonder if you are like the church where I'm serving right now, if you are finding as people are starting to come back in person, that you are having an influx of people that have been following you for a period of time that you have never met. Um, We're we're getting in this situation now where we're having people come to our church saying, I've been following you for six months, um, or I've been part of your church now for eight months. And, you know, they're new to us. So have you been having this phenomenon as well of people showing up um, that have been feel like part of your church because they've been following you, but you have not met them in person yet? Yeah, we have Mm -hmm. had that. And uh, we've had people who... I know. So there's this no uh, whole new thing, right? Where you can uh, quote unquote church shop online before you, um, before you ever walk in. And, Mm -hmm. and there's, there's something good in that. I, I, that's interesting and nice and safe for somebody who might feel like it's a huge step to walk into a church. I get that. I honor that, uh, to, to walk into a new space, especially as a single person or somebody who hasn't been in church. That's what I did. I walked alone into this building to check out church and I scooted out that door as fast as I could my first Sunday. (laughs) I didn't know what to do or who to talk to or anything. So there's a piece of that that is good. Um, There's also a piece of it that I think, you know, if I could give, if I could give the challenge to people, uh, you have you have to get to the point where you walk in to know the humans, to see mm. the the kindness and the care in, in the faces. Because really, yeah. we have we still have very I, I'll call it mediocre to be generous, mediocre technology. We've got a couple iPhones on tripods, and we're Facebook live streaming. It's not a great shot. You're not seeing anyone in the congregation. And as you guys know, the couple of folks who are doing some certain elements of worship from the stage, they're not they're not a bigger deal than any other human mm-hmm. in that space. And you, you're missing all of that. And so. Um, but I do understand. I understand the safety of taking a peek from the safety of your living room first. Um, but there, but there's nothing like knowing the personality of a community, not just the personality right. of the preacher or the worship leader yeah. or the 
the welcome party or you know, the person who gets up to introduce all of that. There's, there's a whole, there's a personality of a community that changes with each new iteration of who's there. And I love that. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, I think we have, I'm, I'm not certain. I don't know the equipment, but I think we have pretty good cameras. Uh, our people are pretty alert to that stuff. But all you see in the congregation basically is the back of people's heads <laughs> and, uh, bald heads at that and gray hairs mm-hmm. and and you and you know if you're a total visitor you have no idea who those people are but if you watch every week you say well i know that guy there he's got long gray hair and i know this woman she sits there with her kids and stuff um but you you bring up something that is um something i've learned since i've been at northern especially and that is uh you know, occasionally I'll have a seminary student come in and say, you know, we've moved to this area. We don't have as much of that as we used to, even when I first came 10 years ago. Um, and we're having trouble finding a church. Mm-hmm. And I I had a pretty, I think I had a pretty shrewd answer. I said, how long did it take you to feel comfortable in the previous church? You know, and they kind of look around and think, well, it was my friends from college and, you know, Oh, probably took two or three years. I said, well, it'll probably take two or three years. That's about the time you're going to leave. Mm. So it's it's difficult. But I, I liken church um, in some ways as picking friends. And it's, you know, you can go to a mega church and be a total loner and sit where anywhere you want and Listen to the great music and to the great sermon and get in your car and go to dinner and you'll be fine. But when you start going to a church that is actually a fellowship, mm. you're at some level, you're picking friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it starts getting pretty serious. Mm-hmm. And and especially for introverts. You know, if you're an extrovert, you just you know, you got friends everywhere immediately. <laughs> And they're the same level of friendship 10 years later as they were when you first met them. But if you're an introvert, you walk very slowly and gently and you don't want to make small talk and you don't want to talk about the weather or politics. And it's, it's, you find one person. I know that in our church that we're in, it took us a while Hmm. uh, before we felt like we knew people. Yeah. And, um, I think that I think that maybe uh, the streaming of whatever level. I've never watched your streaming, Melissa. Oh, so. don't don't come back in person, <laughs> I Scott. It's I mean it's fine. <laughs> I, no, I shouldn't say that on a podcast. Everyone watch, um, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I it's it's not the same to me. I've watched our service twice online. One time I was quarantined when our daughter got COVID, and very last minute I had to miss. Uh, one of our Advent services. I was very sad. Um, and then the second time my dad got in an accident and I was on my way to the hospital listening to our service online. It was very sweet because I knew the voices. And so that part I could sit there and love, but the rest of it, I couldn't stop saying like, oh my gosh, that camera angle is the most awkward view of the sanctuary. And wait, it's so much prettier than that. And wait, you can't see all the people. And so it just, I could feel, maybe it was my vantage point. I could feel the lackluster of it, but I do mm-hmm. honor the benefit, especially for those who for for their own reasons cannot physically come back in yeah. comfort. That 100% is, is worth it. That's why we're continuing it and will continue yeah. it. 
Um, we just aren't the most um, high high tech um, or or flashy. Not even flashy. People, That's can, people can look and just say, "I think I know who the pastor is." Yeah, I've I've met a few people online. I mean, not talk to them, but. And then they can kind of slip in and feel like they know something. Yeah. It's just not as strange of experience. It's it's, How's it been? it's not oh, as hard ahead. to walk in uh, into the doors, especially if you kind of can walk in and say, like, you know, I've heard her. I know her tone. Mm-hmm. I know how it feels to um, listen to that worship leader. Like, I, I, I feel like I at least know what five faces might look like or something. Like I, I just know something. Yeah. And another thing that they get, this is one of the things I love. One of our, um, the people who run slides, I always inevitably have um, typos and he fixes them for me all the time. I'm like, I can't, I'm trying so hard. I don't know what it is. Um, but he says, no, that's kind of us, Melissa. Like it is a casual, things go wrong. The, the, the microphone does a blurb or something. And you kind of know that it's, you can get a bit, a little bit of the tone um, mm. online first, and so that is absolutely that's absolutely a benefit, I think, too. Yeah. How's it that's been good. for you going to school? I mean, you've been in seminary what four years? Four years, yeah. It's been. I, I would say this. First of all, the whole experience has been invaluable. I've loved it, and I absolutely know that I am a better pastor for it, a better teacher, a better thinker, um, Mm. you know, so much that I didn't know I didn't know. And um, I'm also, I think, able to recognize a whole lot more beauty and diversity rather than feeling like I need to have landed on every topic. And I know, uh, Scott, one of my, my first class was with you. And I remember still the conversation where I got just so flustered. It was week one. And you said something and you were saying names of people that I knew and respected and how they were on different camps on this topic on something. And I just wanted you to tell me who to believe. Like I was angsty. And you looked at me and you said, Melissa, are you okay? And it was like, no. <laughs> but then I, it was a really good moment for me. And why it stood out is I needed, I, I needed to do that wrestling and also huge, huge work to be done in being able to talk to all of the people who are struggling with deconstruction and equate that with doubt or with the need to go mm-hmm. away and solidify anything first and often on my own and just being able to say like I will do the reconstructing with you if you'll commit like I'm here that's the beauty of seminary is to find out how much of your baggage you didn't even know you needed to reconstruct so number one I'd say that was huge number two and I could never have known this that this would be a, a perk like I mentioned I've been in the same context although my context has changed dramatically we were egalitarian, then complementarian, now back to egalitarian, many iterations of leadership, all of that, but the same blessed building and the same mm. uh, the same place to, to call home for 20 years, which is pretty long for me. Um, anyway, I, I knew I needed to expand my horizons. I knew I needed to learn more than how we operate as church, even in our different iterations. And the answer to that couldn't be, 
for me to suddenly go out church shopping or something like this is this still has been my calling. And so I've been able to experience that vicariously through my seminary friends, because we've just opened up this really raw, safe space to say, here are the challenges with my leadership. Here are the challenges with my congregants. Here's what I'm facing with our teaching decisions, et cetera, et cetera. Here's my church hurt. Here's where I'm looking for healing. Here's why I've stepped away for a season and then have us be able to like push into more. I I feel like I vicariously lived how many people, Laura, like how many church lives through through <laughs> yes. these people. And it's it's expanded mm-hmm. my horizons and challenged me as a leader on the places that for sure have been my blind spots. And then to have people who specialize in other areas. And one of the most invaluable to me, um, one of my seminary sisters, Adrian, is in the world of um, counseling and mental health. We came back and opened up after COVID and I just called her up and said, all right, Adrian, what do I need to be ready for? Like, everyone is not okay. And she said, no, yeah, we have no idea. So I loved her candor. (laughs) But she helped me with some language, just saying no one had coping skills for this. So we all reached into our bag and pulled out whatever we could find. And nobody understands why the other person has a different coping skill. And that language Mm -hmm. was so helpful because that's that unresolved conflict that I was talking about earlier was people... We had people who were coming in person and just saying, I cannot understand why people aren't coming back. They were being actively traumatized and hurt by those people. And then people who were saying, I cannot believe people are being so reckless as to go back and everything along. I cannot do another Zoom call. I'm going to go crazy. How come people are (laughs) ghosting on Zoom? Don't they know we need each other? We all were coping so differently. So to have, sorry, long-winded. My point was to be able to talk to uh, a counselor who loves the Lord mm-hmm. and is seeking after learning more about um, scripture in the seminary. But I can lean on her counseling expertise. I can lean on another uh, pastor. I can lean on, uh, you know, uh, an advocate who's living in the world of uh, church trauma, all of this. And to just say like, what, what's going on from where you're at? It's been I don't hear me wrong, Scott. The classroom has been phenomenal. I covered that first, but the <laughs> but the relationships outside that have been the unexpected gift. I would have never yeah. known how much I could grow from that vulnerable space outside of my own context. And I've watched I've watched your group form a fellowship of friendship, and you know I don't know what goes on. I, you know I'm not involved in the room and your FaceTime, but I know it's become you know, almost it's irreplaceable. You're, the level of friendship and fellowship with one another is transformative for all of you. It's been amazing. And here here we have several of these students who, who say, I'm going to do it. Here's what I think. They're going to do a DMN just so they can continue with their friends. I know. Isn't it crazy? I know. I love it. I, I, think, that's, I think that shows the importance of fellowship and especially during COVID when when those relationships uh, uh, were not as easy to, to maintain. Yeah. Well, Melissa, this is good. Um, you know, I'm sure your family has been very supportive during this whole time. They've been amazing. And, I mean, we've all been just who knows what's next and how do we cope with this? It's, it's been, it's been really difficult. And I've, and I've watched you at a distance, you know, we've been to your church a couple times 
And I think it's, I think it's really cool what's going on there at Missio Day. Yeah, thanks. It's, um, it's an honor to be a part of it. And I do think one other thing, you know, we, like you said, we've been through a lot and who knows what we have to cope with next. But I do think that there's just a reminder in our generation that we can. We can cope, yeah. even with the loss, which I don't undermine that. I mean, I, the people who, who have survived but have had extreme loss, like even, even the lessons there of like, wait, but we can cope. And so, you know, one, I just, just quickly this, uh, when, when everything closed down, including the lakefront, we couldn't even do our normal lakefront walking. One of the things that um, the community did is I live just a block away from a beautiful old historic cemetery and they opened up the gates and those, you know, their roads. So no cars, people only. And we went walking that cemetery every day. I've lived here for a very long time and I've never been in there before. It's gorgeous. It's like its own mm-hmm. little arboretum. But there was mm-hmm. one day when I was feeling particularly stuck and I just, I headed to the cemetery because you could social distance walk there. And I was just looking around at the ages of those headstones. And I was thinking there has been love and loss and joy and pain through war, through uh, just like pandemics, through so much. And this just was our taste of remembering that like this, can, Mm. can we use this to link us to a broader human experience? And remember that not only can we make it, not only can we be creative and change and ebb and flow, but like the church does too. And like the church still is here and it still really, mm. really matters as people are healing through this latest, latest version of chaos. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Our people have done this before. Good. We can do this. Yeah, we can do this. That's a good word, Melissa. I feel like yeah. you're preaching to us. Oh, sorry. That's a good <laughs> No, that's great. I think yeah. that's that's a helpful perspective for all of us to remember um, is that resiliency. So that's so great. Well, I just want to thank our listeners for being part of this conversation. We're going to be over the next uh, several episodes talking with lots of different pastors about their more recent experience, what they're learning, uh, the challenges they're facing, and also the ways that they're experiencing God in this moment. So I appreciate you, Melissa, for starting us off. And we look forward to being with all of you next time as we continue our conversation on how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Thanks so much.